Tailor Her Name podcast, where we talk about Xena the Warrior Princess. We are your horses? (laughs) (laughs) Why am I like this? Oh, no. I think I need to stay in. (laughs) Okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so... This intro's fantastic. We're your hosts, Ray and Elliot, bringing you queer content from coast to coast. My name is Ray Noble. I am a queer writer, but nobody would ever know that because I don't know what words are. And also a graphic designer from the Pacific Northwest. So I have four animals in the room with me today. I've got a dog and three cats. They're really cute. So if they make noises, you should appreciate it. And too bad if you don't like it. That's me. Wonderful. Um, I am your other host, Elliot Junkyard. I am a queer writer and fiber artist, and I live in the mountains in Pennsylvania. And Elliot is much better with his words than I am. Uh, I'm so sorry. So sorry. <laughs> Look, have you have you ever seen that that post that's like, why like why do writers have such garbage like? text etiquette or whatever and oh, someone right, was just yeah. like look do you know how much brain it takes to make the words go <laughs> it's so accurate and i literally just spent like a good five minutes like trying to write out a decent intro that didn't sound like i was a fucking stepford wife robot <laughs> and i couldn't even get through the first two sentences <laughs> i just give up I give up. Okay. Anyway, what episode did we watch this week, Elliot? This episode is season one, episode five, and it's called The Path Not Taken. Originally aired October 2nd, 1995. And the IMDb summary, which is not garbage this week. Good job, (gasps) IMDb. Xena must rescue a princess from a greedy arms dealer before war between two kingdoms erupt. She also reunites with a form of flame who knows her secret. Actually, now that we've watched the episode, I don't know what the secret was. I don't know either. Was there a secret? Unless, like, the secret was that, like, once she infiltrated, you know, like, the secret was that she was good. Unless that's what they mean. I guess, but now it sounds like the IMDb description is slightly misleading again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because that doesn't make any sense. I take back my praise, IMDb. (sighs) Okay. So this week was way better than uh, the last episode that we watched. Thank fucking God. Oh my God. So much better. And it was like so much better just like from the jump. Yeah, exactly. It actually felt like everybody was in character. It felt like there was like a purpose that was being set up. Although I will admit that just from the get go, there was a, a lot of like Romeo and Juliet vibes from this weird hetero couple. You know, it was still better. It Which all that matters. I do feel that they did a really, it was a nice gay episode and, well, when the gay had the chance to exist. Which, you know, it was, it was a very gay episode and Xena and Gabrielle spent most of the episode apart. So that's how you know that it's Real a decent gay. episode. Yeah, it still yeah. manages to be extremely gay when they're not even on screen together. Oh, that's so good. And especially with the uh, heterosexual smokescreen taking up the largest chunk of the episode, too. And they still yeah. manage to, like, somehow make googly eyes at each other if, you know, from miles apart and they're not even looking at each other. You yeah. Know? It's, it's, it's like good. googly eyes from their hearts. Googly hearts? Googly hearts! Yes! Yes, yes, yes. So, order in the court. <laughs> <laughs> We start the episode off with the beginning of the main plot, which is two lovers sitting in a grove talking to each other and like basically the equivalent of whispering soft nothings, but doing it in normal inside voices. (laughs) Yeah, so they're just like leaning up against a tree. Maybe they were having a picnic and the food is put away now. I don't know. They're being like cute and romantic times. They're talking about how their families used to be feuding mm-hmm. and it's so lucky for them that now the feud is over because no one could even remember what it was about to begin with. But now they can get married and live happily ever after. And then they talk about like some shit about how like we can tell our grandkids that we made one of their parents here and... <laughs> Oh, no, 
no, no, no. Whoever talks, if anybody ever spoke to me about when I was conceived, I swear to God, I actually know exactly when I was conceived, unfortunately. That is very unfortunate. Yeah, I did the math one day and I realized exactly what it was. Never do that to your children or your grandchildren. Don't bring that up. Just don't talk about when they were conceived or when their grandparents or when their parents were conceived. That's fucking weird. Anyway, Elliot, I think you had some really great commentary or concerns, at least, about the guy's unibrow. I am very concerned about, well, I mentioned it three or four times and then I just start calling him unibrow guy. Yep. So that will be his name. Unibrow Prince will be his name henceforth. Yeah. But it's not like a full unibrow. It's not like, like the way Frida would draw herself just like straight across. Fuck this noise. It's like just enough to be noticeable. And I'm just like hair and makeup. You couldn't have just taken a little razor. And just gotten rid of that? Like, what are you doing? Okay, but as we've established already, hair, makeup, and wardrobe do not know what they're doing. (laughs) Did they think the unibrow would add, like, legitimacy? I don't know, because clearly other people have, you know, like, the women don't have hairy legs. (laughs) It's ancient Greece. Razors were invented. I don't... I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. And I'm very sorry for all of the pain that the unibrow has caused you, Elliot. <laughs> and it was very hard for you to deal with. You know what? He's 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 a good guy. He was he, he was. just he just he just wants to marry his lady and live happily ever after. So I I can't fault him for that. But that get yourself some some ancient tweezers, dude, because. <laughs> You either got to go full unibrow or nothing at all. Not this, like, sprigs in the center. Sprigs? Unisprigs? I love it. It's it's distracting. Oh, my God. (sighs) Yeah, so we have the very impressive unibrow happening. Um, They're telling each other sweet nothings about when their children will be conceived. Um, They're not actually married yet, for the record, but they're making plans to marry, and their plans to marry is what is supposed to stop the feud. Uh, Sounds like their family are still technically feuding at the moment. And then, in the middle of their discussion, from the bushes, intruders appear and attempt to kidnap the princess. And when I say attempt, I mean they succeed in kidnapping the princess. So Yeah, it, it, it doesn't take a whole lot. I forget what the princess's name is because who remembers names ever? I don't know the princess's um, name or Unibrow's name. It's just, I don't know anyone's name except for Marcus. So Yeah, but at one point she's like, Unibrow, save me or something like that. Oh like, God, yeah. Unibrow, get them. I don't know, something like that. But I remember she says his name and I was just like, yeah, it's a he is just, he went down real fast it was yeah there was literally was eight guys against one dude and the dude is already down by the time that they like grab her and go because it's not a fair fight plus they're fucking kids they're like supposed to you can tell that they're supposed to be like in their late teens early 20s at most yeah yeah it, it was a little unfair but yeah and then from there the kidnapping happens and we jump to our favorite queer ladies gabrielle and xena hanging so out good. So good. In this case, Gabrielle is trying to talk Xena into finding a place to eat and stay for the night, and uh, Gabrielle ends up picking the swarmiest of swarmy places. Swarmy (laughs) is a great word. Where did I get that from? I don't know, but it is a great word. Thank you. I don't know if I've ever actually used that word out loud before. Swarmy. So it was a very swarmy place where uh, instantly people are fighting and there's people punching each other and Gabrielle has a fantastic line where I don't know the exact line. Do you have it in your notes? Yes, she says, uh, the places that have fighting have the best food. Yes, exactly. And my this is probably one of my favorite exchanges of the entirety of the episode, because as they're going in, Gabrielle and Xena are talking. Gabrielle is kind of trying to like continue to persuade Xena that she has made the right choice. And as this is all happening, Gabrielle's back is turned to Xena, and Xena's like, just punching a random guy here, roundhouse kicking another dude there, like, pushing them away from Gabrielle, and just like, doing all of these things with Gabrielle barely noticing because Zena's just taking care of all of these random roughhousers so quickly 
It's beautiful. It's just, it's the like epitome of the soft flower character being protected <laughs> by their like, you know, broody, beady uppy fucking warrior love interest. And it just, it made my heart happy. You know what I'm talking it, about. Yeah, it was very good, especially because it wasn't like Xena was getting into altercations with these dudes. It was like, there was at least like two where she doesn't even look at the dudes while she's hitting them. It's just exactly. like, it's just like fist comes up like over her shoulder hits this guy in the face without even looking and he's down and she's just she's already moved on <laughs> i love it i love it so much it's literally it's like xena's just protecting her little gay girlfriend and it makes me so happy okay it's yeah amazing yes it's so far my favorite opening with them and also like i said probably one of my favorite exchanges of the entirety of the episode which is saying something because it is a very good episode. I think it's probably my second favorite. The third still being my favorite so far. There's another excellent exchange when they sit down as Gabrielle says, did you ever notice that we never have trouble getting a table? And Zena says, <laughs> it's a mystery to me. Because she has just punched the dudes that were sitting at that table and literally thrown them out of their seats. Uh, Gabrielle is so oblivious and yet I feel like she she's not, I feel like she isn't that oblivious at the same time. I feel like she's totally aware of what's happening and she just doesn't care and appreciates it a little yeah. bit so i don't know i love it they're fucking gay it's great it is great they're sitting down and then shortly after unibrow approaches them with like a giant bag of money and is like i want to hire you and so for a second gabrielle thinks that he means like in a sexy way oh god but xena xena realizes that he, he means like no i just not watched you knock out 19 people i want to hire you like as muscle <laughs> Admittedly, like, I didn't realize how much she is actually advertising her skills as she's doing this. He makes a very good point. Mm -hmm. So the dude ends up obviously being uh, Unibrow, and Unibrow is wanting them to go and rescue the princess because he doesn't know, does he not know who took her at first? Is that the story? I think they work it out that it's probably a third party because you know why would her own family kidnapped her and he knows that his family didn't kidnap her yeah there is a great moment where he asks if he can sit down and xena like does this complete power move where she just puts her legs up on the table oh yeah after saying no to him <laughs> amazing. oh and another second that literally happens like two freaking seconds later after he is like explaining the story to them. And I don't know if she just kicks the dude. I can't remember if it's like a full roundhouse kick or what, but some dude comes up and is obviously like about to like fight or has been like fallen into them and Xena once again just takes care of it with a quick kick and the guy like the unibrow just kind of stares and Gabrielle is just like that happens sometimes <laughs> it's, so, it's so good it's, it's so, so good. good it's so good <laughs> I think so he does some kind of like crazy over her head kick without like because she's still sitting I, I don't I don't remember yeah, but I, I remember Thinking that it was totally ridiculous. It is totally ridiculous. And the only way that it gets, that anybody gets away with it is the fact that it's Xena. And Xena yeah. can do whatever the fuck she wants. And another quick note, the city that they're in is named Trachis. And the entire time I was calling it Trachea in my head because why? No. Why would you name anything Trachis? It sounds too much like Trachea. And now I'm thinking of Tracheotomies and Grey's Anatomy and ugh. That's all. Sorry, I just couldn't unhear it and I needed to address it immediately. And so Xena eventually figures out that this dude is serious. He is truly in love with this girl. And Xena, being the romantic that she is, can't say no to true love. So, of course, says yes. Doesn't take his money. Instead, reaches forward and grabs his medallion from his neck. And is like, I'll consider this payment. And then agrees that he should go give the money away instead. And Yeah, to, to all the poor people in the village. Exactly. And this is the perfect moment to display Xena's amazing cinnamon rollness. Cinnamon roll in the S-I-N cinnamon <laughs> version it's very important to, d to demonstrate that and she she is showing how much she is a good person and i love her so much she just she just wants people to be in love she's very good and then theme song elliot's favorite uh -huh. part of the entire episode 
true. It's true. Gabrielle is also very into Xena being good because after Xena makes this deal with Unibrow Prince, she like scoots forward on her seat immediately. <laughs> and like leans into the conversation. It's just like the cutest thing ever. It makes me so happy. Uh, I had a mini rant about how the reason that Xena wants to keep being a good person and the motivation for Xena continuing to be a good person is really just because it's a major turn on to her girlfriend when Xena <laughs> is a good human. And legitimately, I feel like if Xena did not have Gabrielle's undying support of her being a good human, she probably would have gone back to her warlord ways eventually. But because Gabrielle loves her so much and loves it when she's being a good person, she just gotta she's gotta stick with it and Gabrielle power, makes her better the power of gay love the power of gay love uh Xena takes off she leaves Gabrielle with uh unibrow prince and so Xena heads heads on her way to Trachis and she leaves Argo outside but like they have this very cute little moment where she like whispers something to Argo. You see her mouth moving, but you can't hear what she's saying. So this is clearly just a, a conversation between her and her best friend horse, which is adorable. I mean, let's be honest. At this point, Argo is in fact her best friend. Gabrielle is just her, is her girlfriend. Like, yeah, but, there are tears of this. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, and then we hear her say something like, go on or go, like, so he knows to wait for her to come back and does his... He goes and eats all the good sweet grasses like a good horse. (laughs) And then more weird hats. My hypothesis in regards to the weird hats is further proven in this episode. Literally, it is like the first person we see in this like seedy bar town, whatever it is, where, you know. (laughs) Where the entire town is a seedy bar. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we're like shady people go to do shady business and like the first person we see is wearing a weird hat. <sighs> it happens every single episode and I just want to know what the point of these hats are because they're all ridiculously tall. They all look rappy almost and yet like they don't seem to protect from the sun. They don't seem to be keeping anybody's hair out of their faces because either these guys don't have hair or they have very short hair and it just seems like these guys are just wearing mismatching weird ass hats for no reason and I just I want an explanation. You know what would be amazing if one day we got big enough that we could talk to people in wardrobe and like have an interview with them on the podcast and we're just like, what the fuck were you thinking? (laughs) Except nicer. Pretty much. Yeah, kind of. That's kind of a goal. I'm sorry if you are listening to this and you were part of wardrobe and you hate our commentary on it, but I would really like to talk to you. (laughs) Just, I just want to talk, please. Anyway, so more weird hat dude, and we meet our villain for the first time. What did we name him? What is evil dude's name? Evil fur is because he's wearing this, like, it's not a full coat. It's just like a around the shoulders fur thing. And it, I don't understand, but he's evil. He wears furs. He's super rapey. I don't like him. Super rapey. Oh my god. Yeah. I think he's probably my least favorite villain so far just because it was just too much. There was just so many moments of just this is too much. So. Yeah. Yeah. And we also meet Marcus for the first time and Marcus is the heterosexual fuck. What what is it? Oh, smokescreen. Smokescreen. Thank you. I hesitate to call him the heterosexual smokescreen because there are like one shot characters that show up later in the series that are clearly just there oh, true. to make them look straight. But Marcus, like I can, I can buy their, their okay. relationship. But like, I, okay. This conversation actually took place much later in the episode, but also I don't really care. So I'm just going to go for it. Cause my thing with Marcus is that I do feel that like <laughs> it is, it's mentioned. This is more important towards the end, but she consistently calls him her friend. It's not that it is a romantic relationship. She obviously cares deeply for him, but I do not think that it is anything more than a platonic love with some sexual tendencies underneath it. Because I think that just the just the difference in between what I think she would consider Gabrielle versus Marcus, even though she's had this past relationship with Marcus, I still think that she doesn't really have have any real romantic feelings towards him she just 
cares about him deeply. And I think that that is technically two different things because with Gabrielle, even from the get-go, it's obviously romantic to me. Whereas with Marcus, it's like she's catching up with an old friend. And then on top of that, there is a few moments of sexual, I want to say intimacy because it's not really just sex, but like it didn't feel like romance love to me. It felt like she just cared deeply about him. So I I feel a little bit more comfortable calling it a smokescreen still just because there's layers to this. That's fair. That's fair. Because, yeah, I definitely see it as, like, this is, like, my buddy in arms who I also bang it out with sometimes. But it's not like I want to make babies with him. And she clearly wants to have babies with Gabrielle. Clearly. She named a child after her that wasn't even hers. Anyway, so back to the point. Marcus, who is the dude from Xena's past, is also introduced. He is working for Evil Furs Guy. Uh, Basically, we're introduced to him. We find out that he is, in fact, the one who kidnapped the princess because his... His goal is to start a war because he will get money for it, of course. Yeah, because he's he's basically a war profiteer. He's the arms dealer. So yeah. if these two kingdoms fight each other, he can sell weapons to both sides. Woo. Wow, it's not like that ever happens today. No, never. <laughs> Where else were we? There's a lot of stuff in this first first bit that I feel is really kind of pointless. So I'm trying to find where the next important thing happens. Oh, Evil Furs Dude. His real name is ridiculous and I do need to mention it. So I watch all of my stuff with captions just because and we hadn't actually heard his name yet. And my captions informed me that his name was Mazentius. Yeah, like, that, that's a lot of names. Yeah, that's a name. I don't know. I I don't know where they're naming people. I don't know where they're getting these names from, but they got a name and his name was Mazentius. Oh, and there is more rapey, awkward stuff in this sec- section where he wants the princess. He goes back, stops talking to weird hat dude. They end up back in like his lair area and he tells people to go bathe the princess in perfume and bring her back to his room and aside from the rapiness on this why the fuck would you want to bathe anyone in perfume what yeah like i'm just like just like bathe her in water i don't know like everything is wrong with him basically a lot yeah basically a lot is wrong with him and xena i think later has a line about how like she'll be worth more if he can keep it in his pants and it's just like wow that just compounded the grossness yeah this entire episode has all i would say has a lot of trigger warnings in it honestly it's just not It's not fun. It's not a good episode in regards to the villain and the creeptasticness of them. Yeah, and and especially because Xena, for the most part uh, of her interactions with evil furs, is pretending that she's still a bad guy so that she can infiltrate his, you know, his ranks or whatever. (sighs) So yeah, so that's essentially what ends up happening. She meets up, Xena meets up with Marcus. Marcus brings her back to Mezentius and is like, hey, bro. I know this girl. She's fantastic at being a bad person. You should work with her because she has some ideas about how to start this war. And this is all Xena's play to uh, essentially get the princess back because she knows that Mezentius has her. And so she attempts to infiltrate and reverts slightly back to her warlordy ways or pretends to so that she can get on his good side and try to get the princess back in the easiest way that she knows how rather than going in guns blazing and fighting. So... What else happened? Marcus and her kind of had weird flirty moments. They became reintroduced to each other. Obviously had some tension. Marcus obviously has real feelings for Xena. This is the second dude in five episodes who has legitimate feelings for her. For the record, I would just like to point that out. Because Draco in episode one also had legitimate feelings for her. Yeah. I mean, but can you blame them though? No, not at all. (laughs) Not (laughs) at all. I would just like to point it out because I feel like that's a lot and I don't think it's really going to stop anytime soon, especially not with Mm -hmm. the preview of next episode that I saw at the end. Yeah, that character is, is a good character and I'm excited. For that character spoilers, but I'm pretty fucking <laughs> excited too. Next episode's gonna be a good one. I'm gonna scream a lot. Anyway, so now that that foreshadowing is over, 
Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm trying to find places in my notes that are more than just me going like, oh my god, <laughs> which is not a ton. I didn't take very good notes this episode. Sorry, guys. We did breeze over the section where Gabrielle is still hanging out with Unibrow, and she is just eating up his story of how he met the princess and how they fell in love and how it was so romantic, and she is like here for all of it, and it is peak Gabrielle. Oh my god, I love it so much. Gabrielle is just a big romantic, and Xena is a big softie, like, in the core of her heart, so they're obviously perfect together. Guess I will always bring it back to them being gay, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Will always. Mazentius um, has a mole in his ranks. There's some dude who is stealing weapons from them, and uh, at one point he tries to make a point in this, like, I don't know if it's really his lair. I feel like it's still like the bad dudes club and he does end up does he kill him? No, he doesn't kill him. He kills somebody he else. Like, I think yeah, I think he kills someone else and I think he just like beats the shit out of this guy that he assumes is selling his weapons on the side. Right. Yeah, and so we discover that there is a mole and so he somebody is stealing his weapons and bringing them out to other people and selling them for even more. Because of that, we see a little bit more of Marcus. Marcus is basically trying to get into Xena's pants for the first half of the entire episode and Marcus is actually a pretty chill guy. I really like Marcus. He just needs a better boss. Yeah, he's also very attractive and I appreciated so his arms like a lot. I liked his eyes. He's very nice eyes. <laughs> Can you tell I'm gay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, the arms were good, also I'm gay. <laughs> oh, I look for the least manly trait possible. Let me just look at your <laughs> eyes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they basically have this roundabout weird, like, like I said, it's it's not ju just sexual tension between the two of them. It seems like Marcus and Xena legitimately enjoy each other's company and they like being together. Xena and him seem to have a very good back and forth. And Marcus obviously trusts Xena so much, which mm -hmm. I really appreciate. I think he makes a comment about trying to get her into the baths because there's like this weird hot spring area in the middle of Evil Furs' lair. And yeah. he makes some commentary about trying to get her in there. I don't remember what it is, but I've got a note about it and i can we really blame him no we can't <laughs> like we would all we would all try if we had the opportunity there's a moment where the chakram is stuck in the stone don't know why chakram in the stone sword in the stone is that is that foreshadowing who knows yeah xena takes out some dude i don't remember if it was like just some dude who got on her nerves or she was trying to prove her badassery, I don't remember. It wasn't a full fight scene, but I remember she threw she threw a shock her chakram and it wedged in the frame of the door, but the frame of the door was stone, not wood. And I was like, wow, that's some force there, Zina. It's it's quite impressive. <laughs> We find out that, in fact, Marcus is the mole who has been stealing and selling the weapons, and he is willing to help Xena also steal and sell weapons, I believe, or at least attempt to get some weapons so that her people can know what they might be up against, kind of. I don't even remember the exchange. It was very strange. I didn't understand the logic in between him agreeing to let Xena take weapons. Yeah, because I think the 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 implication is that they both think that Xena still has her army. There's there's some kind of weird war profiteering thing happening, and I didn't really follow this whole plot exactly because I know that Xena doesn't have an army, so you know. Exactly. Like that's the thing <sighs> is that half of this subplot isn't actually a subplot, and so it kind of was pointless to follow along with it. And I feel like that's kind of what it was. I don't know. But this scene does actually devolve into a relevant scene where he finds, I think he ends up discovering, this is where he discovers that maybe Xena isn't as bad as he thinks that she was and that she has begun to turn over a new leaf. And essentially 
Marcus starts talking about how he wants to be good, but he doesn't know any other life. And so he doesn't think that it's possible for him. And they do have a really, really, really precious tender moment where he caresses Xena's cheek at one point. And she does something that literally always breaks me, no matter the ship, no matter who it is. Like, he touches her face gently. And the first thing that, like, first response she has is to, like, gently turn her head into his hand. And oh, yeah. oh my god, it killed me. It killed me because that is such a cute, intimate, beautiful, like, just she wants to be touched by him. It's very much, a, it's like a, you touched me. It was a nice, like, gentle touch. I don't know what it is. It's like a, yes, please do that. Like, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. It makes me so happy. It literally makes my heart warm when I see that. And like, it's, I don't know. I can't, someone take the wheel. And and part of Marcus's backstory when he's explaining to Zena is that he, he tried to be good and it like didn't take it's like so, something backfired or something like that, yeah. right? He tells a story about how he was in a raiding party and there was like a disabled child and the soldiers were just like, meh, let's kill him. And he says, like, you would never kill defenseless people. I always respected that. And so from that point on, Marcus right. tried to walk away from being a warrior, um, but then he came back to it just because he didn't know anything else. Ouch. I loved Marcus. Marcus was a very good character and I'm very, like, I loved his story. I thought it was very good. And that's a, such a poignant line to just him blatantly saying, like, you would never hurt anybody innocent and, like, you would never go that extra mile because I feel like that's really showing that even when Xena was at her worst, she was never irredeemable. Yeah. And, she, yeah, she always made a point to even at her worst point when she was a warlord, she was you know, instructing armies to go through and kill villages, etc. She still made a point to be good at her core and still made an effort to not just recklessly do harm, I guess. Like, it seems like what she was doing in her mind always had a point. So they do some more talking. Oh, they have a really gentle, sweet kiss. And I don't know whose note this is, but somebody, one of us approves of them banging as long as Xena and Gabrielle are in an open relationship. I support that. It may have been me. I don't know if it was you. Yeah, I think it was you, but I think I agreed. Yes. Either way, I think it's legitimate. I do. I support Marcus and Xena banging as long as a girlfriend is okay with it, too. Unfortunately, they did not. They just had a very, very, very gentle kiss. But it was the cutest kiss. It was not, not a kiss that I would ever expect Xena to have because it was very chaste very sweet meanwhile oh god gabrielle gabrielle is having shenanigans with she decides that what they need to do is go to the king and explain that clearly his family didn't take the princess because she has now heard the story of their love and knows that it is impossible for you know for his family to be involved because he is so besotted with the princess that he could have never done this So they're on their way, and she's just like, you're just going to tell the king this story, and everything's going to be fine. So on the way, they get, like, captured by the princess's family's guards or whatever, and she's just like, it's fine, it's fine, we were going to the king anyway. Like, they're just going to escort us, it'll be great. Sure. And then they... Slight audio grumbling there, folks, Uh, but I believe what I said was, and then the next scene we have is... Gabrielle and Unibrow are suddenly in the prison in stocks. Back to your pre-recorded commentary. That's what happens when people take you prisoner. (laughs) Gabrielle (sighs) didn't really work out for you. She legitimately says what we have here is a failure to communicate. Props to that Even to that she's... script person who wrote that. I don't actually know what it's a reference to, but I know it is a reference to a famous movie. So. It is something. It is a reference. Actually, I bet I could find it really quickly. It's from Cool Hand Luke. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm on the Wikipedia now. And... I've never seen this movie, but I do know that that is a line that is famous. I think I know that movie. It's a line that's famous, and I know the movie... But I think that it's in another movie that, or at least it's referenced in another movie. Okay, yeah. So uh, the reason that I know this movie is because it's from one of my favorite (laughs) rom-coms, actually. Uh, It's made reference to multiple times in the movie Serendipity with uh, Kate Beckinsale and John Cusack. (laughs) 
And let's see, Elliot would once again like to appreciate Marcus's biceps because he's not gay at all. (laughs) (laughs) They're very good biceps. Yep. Yep. Um, and I managed to not be able to use words again because in one of my notes I say evil furs is being awkward instead of being awful. I was not using autocorrect. <laughs> I, no, was using I was my willing. I was willing to give you the benefit of the doubt there. <laughs> Thank you. Because <laughs> I don't know what's happened to me. Like I said, I don't know what words are. How do you write? I don't know. Anyway. Oh, um, there's an a unreasonable amount of candles in this room. We end up in the baths again with Xena because Xena has made the agreement with the princess to meet her there and try to save her. Wow, there's an entire scene that we missed talking about. Where were our notes here? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there was a whole scene where the princess is like, I'm going to jump and kill myself, but also I'm holding a knife to my throat. So I'm going to kill myself in multiple ways. And then I think Evil Furs is like, whatevs, just let her kill herself. We can still get the ransom for a dead body. (laughs) Cena's like, no, dumbass, she's worth more alive. But then also goes up and like uses the amulet that she took off of Unibrow's neck to be like, I'm here to save you because princess is like i don't fucking believe you bitch and then she's like does this look familiar and she's like oh my god unibrow did send you yeah (laughs) and yeah so that's basically what happens they agree to meet at the bathhouses well not the bathhouses i just keep saying bathhouse because i'm really gay sorry (laughs) and at the bathroom Like, I don't the hot know. springs. Yeah, the hot springs. Thank you. I knew there was a real word for it. I just keep ignoring it. <laughs> and so they agree to meet there. And okay, I do have slight issue with this because she's under prisoner. Like, how does she just keep getting away from these places? Are they letting her just roam free in the area while she's there? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I don't really understand it either. But somehow she gets out and meets Xena at the bath. And Xena is like wearing... Xena is wearing what you would expect someone who is taking a bath in the middle of the night to wear, like a night robe. Yeah. So when Evil Furs bangs on the doors and is like, why is someone in the bath? She like opens it and she's all like, I was just going to take a bath in the middle of the night because I'm hot and that's what hot people do. Look at my night basically yeah that's exactly what it was yeah and um she ends up the princess is in the room with her and she manages to like stuff her under the water (laughs) yeah it's really it's kind i mean it's not awesome but it's also hilarious because the princess is hiding in the hot spring and she keeps like pushing her head down like her hand is on top of her head yeah, so evil furs won't hear her, but then, like, the princess keeps, like, coming up, presumably for air, but also, like, just in time to hear some horrible thing that evil furs is saying, like, oh, we've caught the prince and his cohort, and so it's, like, just in time for the princess to, like, hear it and be like, <gasps> and then Xena pushes her down <laughs> again, it's just kind of a ridiculous sequence of events it was absolutely ridiculous and one more thing that needs to be addressed is there is an awful lot of candles lit in this hot springs like an unreasonable amount of hot springs especially for hot springs that isn't supposed to be being used at the moment yeah why why and elliot believes that the uh person who was lighting all the candles should have been taking care of the unibrow i'm just saying I think it's relevant. It seems like there were um, a conflicting group of priorities here. (laughs) And the unibrow got dropped off the list in regards to lighting a thousand candles in the hot spring. I swear to God, this entire set must have been such a fire hazard every single time they like did a sexy scene. Oh yeah. And then evil furs finally leaves and princess gets out of the hot springs and hot damn she was so hot when she did that. There was this moment where the shot like pans right on her boobs, right as she's coming out of the water. And I, oh, hmm, second favorite part of the episode. Not gonna lie, it was great. It was a be- it was a beautiful moment. So okay, I anyway. could like it's like I could almost hear you saying from the other side of the country, like like just a like a. 
like a cry of just I'm gay. <laughs> That's basically what happened. My gay alarm went off completely. I literally had a second where my mouth dropped open because I it was so unexpected. <laughs> I did not know it was going to happen. And then it was just this <sighs> beautiful boob shot. It was so good. I sound really pervy right now. <laughs> but also I'm like if you saw it, you would agree with me. It was literally it was way too intense of a boob shot to ever be on cable TV, personally. I do not know how they got away with that, but they did, and I'm thankful for it. <laughs> oh, and, okay, Marcus is officially learning the truth somehow. Um, he finds Xena with the princess as they're trying to escape. Xena and the princess end up in, like, the weapons room, I think, and Xena is looking like she, she's opened a box of weapons, and I think she's gonna try to smuggle the princess out. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then Marcus comes in, so she tries to play it off. Like, she's just like, oh, I was just inspecting the weapons because war and stuff. And then Marcus is like, I don't believe you. (laughs) Because she's not not very convincing, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, so she has the princess hide and then they still they kind of fight about whether or not marcus wants to be a good and let her save the princess or some other shit happens yeah (laughs) i mean that's basically it from there they kind it seems like he sides with evil furs for a little bit there is the there's the next fight which is actually one of the only fight scenes in the entire episode And if you want to go into that, Elliot, go for it. But also, if you want to jump across that, that's totally fine, too. Because it's Uh, it's literally just another fight scene. Yeah, there were a uh, a few good... This is, like, probably the best fight scene we've had in, like... I mean, last last episode with the fucking throwing babies. I can't, but... Oh, my God, I know. And then the the crappy Negazina episode in episode three. We haven't had a good fight scene since episode two. Uh, which yeah. is actually kind of uh, sad because we're only five episodes in. But this, yeah, this was a really good fight scene. Like Xena swings on a rope and then she does like an awesome backflip. She does one of those things where she like hoists herself in, up into the air and then like kicks the guys as she goes by. And then I think the princess like throws a spear into somebody's chest. So I was like, hell yeah, not being completely useless, princess. Good job. Mm-hmm. Always a fantastic thing. Marcus fights against Xena for a little bit and then at the very last second I don't remember why I think is he protecting the princess is that what it is yeah yeah because he because he's got the princess because the princess is like um up on a loft or a higher I almost said higher shelf (laughs) (laughs) let's be honest Elliot it's another scaffolding everything is scaffolding (laughs) yeah pretty much like she's like I'm just going to stay upstairs behind some weapons. And he finds her up there. And so he's standing with her and evil first is like, yeah, you, you found her. Come be evil. I don't know why I suddenly did an evil voice for evil furs but it seemed appropriate at the time (laughs) i understand Um, i don't judge you and then is it like an an arrow or i don't remember i I think think it's it's an arrow arrow. yeah yeah fires an arrow attempted to use a crossbow originally to kill the princess when she was trying to hurt herself originally and so i believe it is that same crossbow oh yeah yeah that makes sense so Marcus steps in front of the crossbow to save her. And this, the only thing that irritates me about this is it is like the slowest moving, like self-sacrifice. It's like fucking City of Angels where she's like just not seeing the truck for an hour before. It's kind of like, why? He's just like steps in front of the thing. And it's like, there is more than enough time. For you to throw both of yourselves to the ground. Why did it have to be this way? I don't know. Sadness abound. We hit we hit the emotional arc of the episode all of a sudden. Because unfortunately, Marcus does get hit by the arrow. Everybody is sad. Xena runs over to him. And I don't know, did she kill Evil Furs at this point? Like, Evil Furs is down and good to go. Because, he must be. Yeah, because Xena aborts mission. And essentially, like, runs over to Marcus and goes to take care of Marcus. And I thought that we were going to have some more closure to this, but we don't. So I'm just going to wrap it up now. We have no idea what happens to the princess and Unibrow from this point. Yeah, we just assume that they live happily ever after because yeah, we, we don't, don't, we don't no. see them again. 
Yeah, we don't see them again from this point because Marcus is dying. Xena goes over and holds him and he has, it's such a sad fucking moment. Oh my God. It was beautiful though. So he dies saving, like dies saving the princess. He is on the ground and Xena goes over and like holds his head and tells him like, it's okay. We'll get you help. Like, hold on. You got this. And Marcus, on the other hand, knows that he's dying, knows that he's not going to get help. And back when they were having the conversation about Marcus trying to be good, Xena makes a statement right before they have their adorably tender kiss that is like, all it takes is one step to get you in the right direction or something like that. And essentially just saying like, all you have to do is make one small effort and like, it's a baby step. You can go from there. And as he's dying in her arms, he says, was that the one step you meant? (laughs) It was so much. It was so much. It was, oh my God. So much. And I literally, the first years of the episode of the entire season, I, I'm a big crier. I cry a lot in everything. Um, I was, I've been binge watching Degrassi this last week and I cried seeing my ship meet for the first time. (laughs) So like, you know, I cry a lot, but I did not, have not had a moment to cry in the series up until that point. He said, was that the step you meant? And I was in fucking tears almost instantly. And yeah, it it was a lot. It was a lot. And then I basically my notes are just he died a hero and Xena knows and that's all that he wanted because he just needed Xena to know that he was trying to be good and that's all that matters. Oh, fuck. So unfortunately, he dies. And from there, the reason that we don't see any more of Princess and Unibrow is because they actually show Marcus's funeral sequence, which I thought was so unexpected and also so beautiful. I thought it was, I think it's one of the most, if not, if not the most so far, emotional and like poignant moments of the entire series so far. And I feel like this is kind of a moment in the show where it's showing more depth than I expected the show to have and is really showing that it's not just a show about, oh, you know, a warrior woman going through and like battling people and shit. This is a story about a woman with true like emotions and is going through her life, losing people and losing her friends and building herself up to be a better person. And oh, it was such a, it's such a good scene. Essentially they're walking in the dark with torches all around them, carrying his body in kind of a coffin as they go to a massive funeral pyre. And Xena is actually singing. It was just like a disembodied voice, but as you get to the pyre, the camera pans back and you see that it's Xena who's singing. And every there's a big group of people. Suppose I don't know if it's like other people that just knew Marcus or what, because the only people there that we know are Gabrielle and Xena. But yeah, it's it was just so beautiful. It was so beautiful. I I had so many feelings. It was really good, and I loved it because I mean it was just shot beautifully. It was. First of all. But like also Gabrielle has one line and it's just, I wish I could have met him. I'm sorry. (sighs) I love it so much. And this is the moment where I kind of realized this is where my rant from earlier came from about the relationship of (laughs) the relationship of their relationship of Marcus and Xena, because the last few lines are just Xena repeating the word my friend in regards to him because she says to Gabrielle he was my friend and then she says like my friend I think once or twice more and it's just like the confidence upon which she says it is just so beautiful and I feel like it really cemented the way that she looked at him she viewed him as a true friend to her and that's why I believe that the relationship while it may have had its sexual moments was ultimately one of platonic trust and I just I just thought that was absolutely beautiful because up until the last moment, she trusted him. Even when he was fighting against her, she trusted him to save the princess because she knew that he was better than that. She knew that he was a good person inside. Like, without a doubt, she knew that. And she knew that she could put her trust in him and her faith in him. And oh my god, I have so many feelings. I loved it so much. It was so fucking good. It was a very good ending. Although it was kind of abrupt because after that, it just like... That's it. Stop. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a fantastic note to end on because it ends on the last words of the entire episode are just her, like, very confidently saying my friend as she's looking into his pyre. And it was 
it was very abrupt. Like I said, I was not expecting it. I thought we had another five minutes left where we were going to see the reunion between Princess and Unibrow. We did not. We didn't see anything about that. It was literally just her saying, my friend into the pyre, and then boop, episode over. But yeah, I thought it was a really good episode, all things considered. I also... I think I have a problem with how they put subplots in here, especially after watching this episode and then the previous episode. I feel like they really shoehorned the subplots in as a very much like monster of the week style thing or like, you know, villain of the week. Mm. But I feel like they do enough with the overarching plots. They just need to figure out a way to, they needed to essentially figure out a way to make it feel more cohesive because I feel like ultimately like they completely dropped off the romantic subplot here so what was even the point of having it when you could have just had like maybe Xena needed to you know get weapons for the village for some reason or something like that like there could have been a way easier way to do this without adding in the additional characters and without adding in the additional like story unless they were trying to do like some weird duality shit which I did not see in the relationships at all I don't know I don't know So it was a really good episode. It's probably my, like I said, my second favorite thus far. I'm still really feeling episode three. That was still probably my favorite one. I guess we should, unless you have anything else, we should probably start wrapping up our shit. Okay. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? You can go first. Okay. So for once in my life, I am slightly prepared with uh, the queer Rex at the end of the episode, if only because... Before we started recording, Elliot reminded me. <laughs> okay, so I have wrecked this before elsewhere. One of my favorite writers is a uh, author named K.M. I believe it's pronounced Spara. Spara, S-Z-P-A-R-A. Uh, he is a trans author who has written one of my favorite, 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 fucking favorite pieces of short fiction I've ever read in my entire life. It is called Small Changes Over Long Periods of Time, and it was published in Uncanny Magazine in 2017, back in June, but also is free to read on Uncanny's website, so I will definitely post the link in our um, episode description. But it is a beautiful short story that was a Hugo um, Award finalist, a Nebula Award finalist, and also long listed for the Tripti Award, which is fantastic. The story is so fucking amazing. It hit so many emotional notes for me. And essentially, it is a story about a a trans boy who, I guess he's a teenager, so trans, trans guy. I don't know what he describes himself as in the book in the story anymore because it's been forever since I read it but I think about it constantly like it is one of my favorite short stories and he's a a trans guy who accidentally gets bitten by a vampire (laughs) vampires in this world are something that you can legally be willing to change yourself into but it has not been approved for trans people because they don't know how being a vampire affects trans people who are like on hormones or who have had um you know reassignment surgeries etc and so he ends up getting bitten by a vampire right after going on hormones i believe and essentially it's dealing with the fallout of that and dealing with his sire and it's a very 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 emotional but very beautiful short story that i literally think about all the time i've read it like five times at this point because it's one of those stories that when i know that i need something to remind me why i love writing i go right back to that short story so it's called Small Changes Over Long Periods of Time by K.M. Sparza. Once again, it was published in Uncanny Magazine, can be found on the Uncanny website. And K.M. Sparza is just a fantastic human. Kellen is great. Highly recommend following them on Twitter. And uh, I believe they're also active on Instagram. So I will link all of their good shit in the description for you guys. So, yay! That's my nugget. <laughs> for a second, I thought we had the same pick. Oh, no! Because my choice is Cam's new story. Oh, no! (laughs) I was like, no, this can't be happening. But then you did the older one, so it's okay. So it's just going to be a Cam-heavy episode. I Um, guess. I'm not complaining. I love him so much. His new story, also on Uncanny Magazine, which you can read for free, is called You Can Make a Dinosaur, But You Can't Help Me. Uncanny's issue, uh, the July-August issue, is dinosaur-themed. So <laughs> I forgot about that. It is a story about trans dinosaurs 
and trans boyfriends. And it's amazing. I fucking love it. It's written in the second person. And let me tell you, the number of stories that I like that are written in the second person are like this one and maybe one other one in my entire life. So it alone gets like big awards from me for that. But also it's just amazing. KM is an amazing writer. The way, I mean, he's trans. So obviously he's good at writing trans characters, but just like the way he writes characters having emotions right. and like both of these both of these stories are sci-fi stories like they're spec fic so ostensibly this the plot is about you know like either vampires or like in this one the main character's dad has kind of created like a like a real life Jurassic Park but just like the emotional content is so I can't I can't I just can't even it's like it's so raw right and that's the perfect way to explain uh, it it's so good it's just so good I can't like he's so good at getting to the heart of a character and somehow within just a few thousand words making you fall head over heels in love with them like yes he's so good at it you you like it's like you see every flaw of the character and at the same time you fall in love with every single bits of that those flaws and you like you feel them so much and oh my god it's so good ever i haven't re- read the story yet but just everything km writes is so good and they uh he also has a uh novel that's coming out in 2019 he just got signed um a i believe it's a spec fic bdism story if i am correct I'm not 100% sure. It, oh, it's 2020, it was, excuse it was, me. Uh, yeah, it was bought by Tor.com and it was pitched as A Queer Handmaid's Tale Meets Gossip Girl. Oh, that sounds so beautiful. And yeah, it's called Docile, so put it on your Goodreads if you have that. It has been uploaded there. So once again, that is K-M, so like K, like, um, what starts with a K? Kit Kat. K like Kit Kat, M like man, and then S Z P A R A. I love that we both picked him. <laughs> this is my like my favorite thing that we've ever done. It's it's a great story. Sam Miller also has a really good story in this uncanny. Um, so you should check that one out too. Ooh, I don't remember I have, what his group called. I have one more thing. It's not one hundred percent queer, but it's very important. Okay. So. Shimmer Magazine is unfortunately closing. If you do not know uh, Shimmer, they are a fantastic spec fic magazine that has been going for the last, like, I think just over a decade, like maybe 12 or 13 years. And they have some of the most incredible stories I've ever read. And it's always been a dream of mine to get something published with them. And at this point, I know for sure I'm not going to have anything finished by the time that they're, like, done accepting things. They have one more issue coming out. But you can go back and get all of their, you know, back category, backlog and back categories and everything like that on their website. They are some of the best spec fic short stories I've ever read. They have such high quality stories. And it's just one of those things that like, I, I'm gonna miss this world so much. They do such good work. They do a really, really, really good job of making sure that their stories are inclusive and that they are um, not just doing, you know, typical white male spec fic. They try to get a ton of queer stories. They try to get a ton of um, POC stories. They've done Um, stories with like disabled MCs and they've done um, like they just do a lot of fantastic work I know KM has also gotten some of his stuff published through them as well I don't know the short stories names but I know it's happened and I found so many wonderful authors by reading Shimmer stories and it's one of those things where like I feel like once you get once you got published in Shimmer, you had a really good name behind you, and it was a lot, it's a lot easier for you to get get your foot in the door other places, just because that's just the quality of work that they make sure to put out there. And so I highly recommend it. It's um, their website is shimmerzine.com, so S H I M M E R Z I N E dot com, and like I said, you can get their whole entire back uh, catalog. So highly recommend going through and doing that because you are going to see a lot of fantastic queer fiction and otherwise through them as well. So, ha! I had multiple wrecks today. I am on my game. You are on top of it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sorry, I just saw them on my Twitter feed and I was like, fuck, I need to say something. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, yeah, so I think that that is it. But I have been in a total rom-com mood. So, oh, if you like rom-coms and that's a thing that you're into, let me know if you found any good ones recently. I have run the gambit on what I know of. And um, I need some real good rom-coms in my life because my life has been really fucking stressful lately. And the only thing that lets me escape is adorable rom-coms. So I'm probably going to go ahead and reread all of uh, Michelle Osgood's books again because they bring me true joy. And I have to shout her out at least once an episode. <laughs> It's Good. my brand. <laughs> I know, I know. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. I just Okay, so on that note, once again, if you have any rom-coms, give me the suggestions. <laughs> Otherwise, I think we are all good. We will see you back in uh, two more weeks um, with our next episode. And if you have any commentary, anything you would like to say to us, there are multiple ways to reach us. Uh, you can reach us at Twitter at BlairHerNamePod. You could also reach us at Gmail at BlairHerName at gmail.com. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe to our feed if you are able to do any of those things. We would highly appreciate it because as you know, as a podcast listener too, I am sure you've heard it a hundred times, the best way to spread the word about your favorite podcasts is by doing the rate, review, subscribe shit because that gets us on other people's radar for whatever reason. Algorithms and shit, probably. <laughs> so uh, it would be fantastic if you did that. We are so appreciative of you being here and listening to us bullshit over um, favorite gay shows. It is fantastic. We love doing this. And I think that's it, unless you've got anything else to add to housekeeping, Elliot. I don't think so. I think we're good. Amazing. Okay, and on that note, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. We love you so very much, and we will see you in about two weeks. Bye! Bye.